Praise the Lord. Now please turn with me to Luke chapter 10, verse 2, which is our precept for this year. I shall read it from the New King James Version. Luke chapter 10, verse 2. Then he said to them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Thirty years back, sometime in early 1988, I was watching an interview on TV. The person being interviewed was a man named Ashok, Ashok Singhal. And he was the then president of a Hindu organization called the Vishwa Hindu Parishad or the VHP. In the course of that interview, Ashok Singhal became highly agitated at one point, jumped up and was seen furiously waving a piece of paper. The camera focused on that paper, and on that paper it was, read, it was written, the harvest is ready. It's a Christian tract, which had been distributed many places. And this man was now standing there. Remember, he is a violent leader of a militant Hindu organization. And he said, this is what they are showing us. The harvest is ready. And then he kept screaming. He said, do you know what this paper says? It says that the harvest is ready. And do you know who the harvest is? Let me tell you. We, the Hindus, are the harvest. As I heard that, I said to myself, man... This guy knows about the, more about the Bible than I do. He knows that he is part of the harvest. But do I know that I'm a laborer? In fact, how many people in my church really know that we are laborers? The harvest knows it is ready. But the laborers, do we know that the time is ripe for us? And I continued to think, I do hope that many, many Christians like me, the superficial, the nominal, the traditional, the charismatic, the Pentecostal, the occasional, any kind of Christian, I hope that they are also watching this program. And I hope that they are hit by this revelation that I have just been hit with. The harvest knows the time is ready to be harvested. But do the laborers know that the time has come for them to get to work? And that was what I gathered out of that uh, TV interview that day. Now, TBOLF has declared 2018 as the year of the harvest. You and I are TBOLF. You and I 
are the laborers. Do you and I know that the harvest out there is ready? How long more are we going to wait? Are you and I ready to roll up our sleeves to get to work in the Lord's vineyard? Remember, 2016 was declared as the year of evangelism. That's the year you and I should have gone out full time to plant the seeds. And I hope we did it. 2017 was the year of prayer. A year during which I hope we prayed for good fruit from the seed we had planted. I hope we did not use that year to selfishly pray for ourselves, our needs, and our wants. And so now we enter 2018, the year of harvest. And so the title of my message this afternoon is Launch Out. Launch Out. So will you turn with me to another passage of scripture, which is taken from Luke chapter 5. And we'll read verses 1 to 11. Luke chapter 5. Verses 1 to 11. Again, a well-known passage of scripture. So it was, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Genesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake, and the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for these verses of scripture which we have read right now, Lord Father. Father, as we stand, as we sit here, surrendered unto your hands, Lord Father, we pray, Lord, that you will minister unto us. You speak to us, Lord. Whatever truth you have, Lord, for us this day, Lord, give it unto us clear and with the authority that you have, Lord Father. Father God, we just surrender ourselves to your hands. And we pray, Lord, that even as we listen to your words, Lord, we will activate it in our life 
and do that which you want us to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So let's see what lessons we can learn from these 11 verses. Number one, get out of shallow waters and launch into the deep. Get out of shallow waters and launch into the deep. Verses 2 to 4 says this, And Jesus saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let your nets for a catch. Now it is a well-known fact that in the Sea of Galilee, otherwise known as Lake Gennesaret, Fishermen caught fish at night in the shallow waters. At night, the fish surfaces and comes close to shore. And that's where the fishermen used to wait with their small nets. The nets have uh, some weights on them. They would just drop it onto the fish and then draw a line and trap the fish within those nets and pull the nets out. This was the practice of how fishermen used to fish in the Sea of Galilee. It was not their practice to go out into the deep uh, waters of the lake. It was not their practice to go out in daytime to fish. They would repair their boats, they would tend their nets during the daytime. But they go at night, not too far but pretty close to shore, and they would catch fish. Most of the fishermen of that area were comfortable fishing in those shallow waters. They were used to that. That's what they have been practicing all their life. And whatever they got, it was never a great catch, but whatever they got was just about enough for their living and maybe for a little business that they were doing. And now if you translate this into what happens in the church, you see that very often this is the practice that still prevails. This is the attitude that still prevails within the church and in God's vineyard. We have an accommodating culture which allows us to lightly dabble in service for the Lord. We wish to serve him without sacrificing our comforts. We wish to sacrifice him without changing our way of living. We are quite comfortable where we are. If we have to take a step here or take a step there, we are okay with that. But if God says, pack your bags and go there, man, the intercessory team is then put to double work. Pray, storm here, storm there. This can't, land can't survive without me. Okay, so we are very comfortable in our comfort zones. And in that comfort zone, we serve the Lord as little as we could. Oftentimes, we do not want to risk everything or anything for the Lord, forgetting that he has sacrificed his life for us. We like the anchorage we have close to shore. 
occasionally taking a step, but ever ready to return to the comforts of the life we know. But this is not what God is asking us to do. It is easy to receive Christ as your Savior. That's a simple task. It's very easy to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. It is quite another to wholeheartedly follow him as a disciple. A disciple does what the master instructs. And so when the master instructs something, the disciple has to do that without question. So it is so easy to accept the Lord, but it is not so easy to be a disciple. To do exactly what the Lord wants us to do. Moving into deep waters requires commitment. It means you pull up your anchors and you set your sails to catch the wind. It means you leave the shallow waters behind, the areas where you are comfortable in. And you fully surrender to the directions and instructions of the captain. Because you have no foothold. You are not anchored. You don't have a rope that ties you to a particular point. So if you have to go into the storm, you have to go. But you are dependent on the captain's decisions. In 2018, you and I are instructed to pull in our anchors, to set sail for deeper waters, trusting fully in our Lord Jesus Christ to captain our journey. Are we prepared to do that? Let us not remain any longer in shallow waters, just drawing in believers from other churches. There's a whole lot of lost fish out there in deep waters. There is no joy. There is no pleasure. There is no victory in bringing in believers from another church and say we have increased our numbers. Yes, we have become fat. That's about it. The joy, the victory is when you bring a lost soul into the kingdom of God. Not when you bring in a saved soul into a different seat. Okay, so, so that's our task, 2018. Lost fish everywhere. Launch out deeper. Number two, replace logical thinking with actions of faith. Replace logical thinking with actions of faith. Verse 5. But Simon answered and said, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your words, I will let down the net. If I was Simon, I would pray, say something different. I would probably say, Jesus, Really? You're great at carpentry. You're a marvelous preacher. But why don't you just leave the fishing to me? I'm the fisherman. Okay? 
Come on, don't joke. Okay, maybe the boat you've given me is good. I agree. But the job of fishing, I know that. Not you. You are the carpenter. This is my speciality. So leave it to me. That's what I probably would have said. Simon might have also said a few more things which are not recorded. But he made one statement that will probably go down as the pivotal statement in his life. And that is this. At your word, I will let down the net. Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. So don't tell me to go out there again. That's not what he said. He said, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. But at your word, because you say so, I shall do it. That's the statement we need to make. That's the statement that needs to come from every one of our lips. Lord, at your word, I will do it. So very often, our logical thinking prevents us from crossing the threshold of faith. Throughout scripture, we see God doesn't often intervene unless the task is humanly impossible. God loves impossible odds, very simply. See, Christian life is not meant to be a life of logical reasoning at all. Leave that logical reasoning business to people of the world. It's not getting them anywhere. Okay? Christian life is a life of faith. It's not about logical reasoning. It's a life of faith. And this is where many of us run into our first major compromise in day-to-day -day living. The last command that Jesus Christ left to us was this, go and preach. That was his command, Matthew 28. Okay, go and preach. But we have replaced go and preach with come and see. Let me elaborate a bit on this. Many of us have probably accepted the principle and follow the principle that says, I preach Christ through my lifestyle. Have you said that? I've said it. And while saying I said it, I often quote Francis of Assisi, go preach the gospel by all means, if necessary, use words. Okay, but that's wrong. Okay? I realize that I preach Christ through my lifestyle is not what the Bible teaches us to do. We are instructed to preach Christ with the word of the gospel of Christ. Do you ever assume that your lifestyle is a replacement for the word of God? Come on, let's be serious. Do you think that somebody is going to look at how you live and become a Christian because of that? Now, I'm not saying that you're bad. I'm saying good, good 
all of us, good, the good that we do, hardworking, sincere, honest, no bad words, no lying, on time in the office every time, very nice with our children, good father, good husband, a good wife. Do you think people are going to look at us and say, I'm going to become a Christian. Look at how he's living. He's a nice man. I'll be a Christian like him. No, nobody's going to do that. They're just going to look at us and say, he's a nice man. And they'll probably say that at your funeral. Because nobody tells you on your face that you're a nice guy. Okay? So your lifestyle is not going to change anybody. I preach Christ through my lifestyle. No, it doesn't work. It's just telling the people that here is a man who's living decently, who's doing all the good things. But it doesn't convict him that he has to change, or it doesn't convict her that she has to change. What convicts a person to change is the word of God. And your lifestyle does not preach the word of God. So you've got to go and preach the word of God. You see, our logical thinking is that I will go and live a light, right life so that people can see me and accept Christ. So I'm living in a land where it is dangerous to talk about Christ, but I will portray Christ through my life. You can do all you want. When you retire and go, they'll give you a gift and say, very nice man. I hear that at work. You know, we have constant retirements these days. Every day people come to work not knowing whether they're going to get a retirement gift or not. Because we get it all the time. And always people say, this was a very nice person. Whether the person knew the person or not, this is the statement. Okay? So, don't ever assume that your lifestyle, your lifestyle is a replacement for the word of God. Remember, there is power and authority in the word of God, but there is no power or authority in your lifestyle. It is just a lifestyle. That's all. Okay? So let's not mix up things here. So our logical thinking is not an appropriate thinking at this point of time. We have got to replace it with actions of faith. And so when God says, go preach, that's the instruction. And if we follow that instruction, it is God who is going to protect me. I don't need to defend myself there. I just need to go and say the word of God. And for me to be able to say the word of God, I need to know the word of God. So priority for us right now is get to know the word of God properly. Read the Bible. Be an apologetic. Who is an apologetic? An apologetic is one who can defend the word of God from the word of God. I don't need to use my words. I study the Bible. I say, this is what the Bible says. And somebody asks me a question. I say, no, this is where it is. It is uh, supported. This is what the Bible says. This is what Jesus Christ says. This is what the prophet said. It's there in the word of God. How do I know that? If I read the word of God. 
So we've got to strengthen ourselves there and then live a life of faith. Our actions have got to be faith actions rather than logical actions or logical conclusions. Number three, prepare for success after acts of obedience. Prepare for success after acts of obedience. Verses six and seven. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. Simon Peter might have been a master fisherman. But he was also humble enough to obey the words of a carpenter. But even there, he was not complete in his obedience. And I'll show you that. In verse 4, Jesus says, let down your nets. That's what he tells Simon Peter, let down your nets, plural. In verse 5, we read that Simon Peter let down his net, singular. What was the result? Many fish were caught that morning, but many more could have been caught. Because Jesus said, let down, let down your nets. There's room for many fish in many nets. And Jesus said, let down your nets. But Simon Peter let down a net. And that limited the catch for that day. Absolute obedience to Christ always results in blessings beyond measure. So we have got to be obedient to Christ. When God asks you to plant the seed and preach to someone and you do it without fail, you can be assured that success and salvation is right around the corner. Remember, success in God's kingdom is not measured by your bank balance, the number of cars you own, the complexities of your handheld gadgets, the kilos of gold and diamonds you wear yourself down with, the barrels of oil you might have stacked behind your house. No, success is not measured in these terms at all. Success in God's kingdom is purely measured by the fruit you bring into the kingdom. In other words, your harvest. This is the year of the harvest. Number four, and that's my final point. Stay humble and don't take credit for what God is doing. Stay humble and don't take credit for what God is doing. Verse 8. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees and said, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. When Simon Peter saw that great multitude of fish caught in the net, which was breaking and even forcing the boat to go down, he could have immediately calculated his new wealth. He could be a rich man. He could probably have a fish processing industry. 
But that was not the thought that ran through him. Peter was overwhelmed. He acknowledged his limitations. And in that one act of humility, Jesus Christ declared this. Jesus Christ declared this Henceforth, you would be a fisher of men. You see, that one act of humility of Peter where he said, I am a sinner, depart from me. Okay, the, the fish is huge. The prophet that day would be huge. But that was not what Peter was focusing on. He knew where he stood. And in that one act of humility, Jesus Christ said, henceforth, you would be a fisher of men. That was the momentous decision that made Peter an ambassador for Christ. In verse 11, this, you see, between verse 8, verse 9, and verse 11, it was not months and years. It's probably a few minutes. In verse 11, we read this. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. Look at that decision. Look at that decision that Peter took at that point of time. He knew that on his own, he wouldn't be able to get anywhere. But with this carpenter turned fisherman, that's where he wanted to be. And that's whom he wanted to follow. And it was his message that Peter wanted to take around. So he became an ambassador for Christ at that particular point. And this is why we launch out. It is not for our glory or to fulfill our quest or ambition. We launch out to catch men, to connect hearts with the invitation of Christ. We launch out to preach the gospel, to tell broken, shattered people that there is salvation through the blood of Jesus Christ. When we are willing to follow Jesus Christ into the deep, unfamiliar waters, we also tend to have a closer fellowship and relationship with him. Because we know we can no longer depend on ourselves. We are not anchored to anything solid. But we are now anchored to Jesus Christ. Our fellowship with him increases. Our relationship with him increases. Our dependence on him increases. Our conversation with him increases. That's what happens when we launch out. It's not just about the people there. They see salvation. They hear about Christ. They get to know that there is a way. They get to know that there is a living God. They get to know that they don't have to be burdened by sin. They get to know that there is a place that they can go to and it is not hell. But in that process, as I launch out, I get closer to God. My relationship with God develops more and more. When the only answer to a problem is dependence on God, 
we tend to listen to him more closely and spend time with him more often. As we launch out in sharing the gospel, and remember 2018 is the year of the harvest, so you've got to launch out. Now, I need to mention one thing here. 2016 was year of evangelism. Doesn't mean that we stop evangelizing in 2017, 2018, and 2019. Evangelism is mandatory. That goes on. It was only that TBOLF declared 2016 as the year of evangelism. But that is an ongoing task. And every time you evangelize, you are planting a seed. And if you were a farmer, you would know that if you plant a seed, you have to have a harvest. The harvest is not the day you plant the seed. So you keep planting and sometime later you harvest. But then you keep planting and you harvest and you keep planting and you harvest. And in between the planting and the harvesting, there is a waiting period. That is the year of prayer that we had. So it doesn't mean that we stop praying now. December 31st, 2017 is over. No more prayer. No, it's not that at all. Prayer goes on. All of that has to go on. But this year we launch out. That should be our intention, individually and as a church. Launching out isn't about expanding our reputation or filling our egos. It's nothing about us. It's simply a decision to live fully for the glory of God by leading lost souls to Christ. If we haven't got a hunger for the lost, we have lost it. We have got to have a hunger for the lost. The question right now for each of us is simply this. Will you be a fisher of men? Many Christians are eager to launch new businesses, careers, or relationships. But few are willing to surrender and to launch out in response to God's command, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Many Christians see the spiritual need of people around them. Few have the faith to take action. Many Christians have access to God's word and they sense the Holy Spirit's promptings but only few are willing to launch out at his word. Jesus is still calling his disciples to launch out and let down their nets for a catch. Today, that means you and I. It is still possible to be part of the great work of God. It is still possible that the Holy Spirit could bring revival to our spiritually darkened towns, cities, and nations. It is still God's will and God's plan to use us in the salvation of somebody else. But you can only be a fisher of men if you follow Christ with unrestrained obedience, unquestioning obedience to the word of God. If you will pull up your anchor and untie your rope, you could be a fisher of men. Would you like to catch a multitude of fish as your harvest? 
then brothers and sisters, it is time to launch out, for this is the year of the harvest. Shall we pray? Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your word, encouraging word, edifying word, a challenging word. Lord, to go forth and launch out in a deep waters. We are all chosen. We are all called. We are all appointed. We are all sent forth. Here we are. Father, we pray, let this word remain in our hearts and lead us to obedience so that we will catch multiple of fishes in this year to expand your kingdom for your glory. That is the purpose you brought us in this land. That is the purpose you gave you. You have spoken to us, O oh Father. Father, bless us. Be a doers of your word. Let us not only the ears of your word. Continue to anoint your servant. Let your anointing be on, upon him in multiple portions. In the days to come, let him be a blessings to every one of us. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Now it's a time for us to go to the Lord's table. We are to prepare ourselves. What is Lord's table? We have to know. Once again it's a reminder for every one of us and it is a privilege to take part in the last table in first week itself. That is, uh, in a week, second time we are having it. And when we go through the scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, from 11 to 13, we come across many things. All of you we know. It is a memorial. What to remember or as a memorial? Paul accounts as given here as the Lord himself. We eat the bread in the memory of his body. We drink the cup, the fruit of the wine, in memory of his blood. That is the one thing. Secondly, it is a proclamation. We proclaim our faith in the efficiency of the Lord's death. That his death was indeed for our sins. We accept, we remember Jesus Christ not only just came to this world and he died on the cross on behalf of us individually. That is the proclamation of our faith. We also proclaim our faith in the Lord's return that he is going to come. And God also wants us to remember this. 
until he comes that we have to proclaim this truth thirdly it is a communion coming together in union we come together and we come together in the presence of the lord our lord jesus christ so your fellowship or sharing in the blood of christ we commune with the blood of christ we commune with the body of christ so it is a time of communion then it is the things to observe what are the things to observe here it has to be done with the reverence it is not taken very lightly it is not as a routine it is not as a ritual it is not as a christian practice it is not as a believers practice as well no it should be taken or take part in this with reverence that's why it says in a worthy manner we should take it in a worthy manner we respect for a supreme price jesus paid for our sins and your failure to observe with a proper reverence bring condemnation that is the warning given in the scripture and one will be guilty of the body and the blood of the lord one will eat and drink judgment to himself if he do not discern or come with reverence and examine yourself you bring judgment on yourself so this is the warning and this has to be done with a self examination once a spiritual condition we are believers there's no doubt about it it is not once saved and ever saved you are saved particular day how are you living today when you want to take part in this last table you have to examine yourself if you have any unforgiven sin in you is a time for you to confess before the lord and repent and confess before him and take part in this that way that way you judge yourself and you prepare yourselves to take part in this and do we by refreshing to repent for our sins if you not you are crucifying jesus christ once again so it has to be done with other christians as we know it is a coming together partaking with the blood and the bread and the wine and it has to be done often this was the scripture explains to us as often as possible why it is a reminder piousness god has saved us he has died for us we take part in his body in his blood coming together in union with the reverence and fear to god so that it refresh our life and it is a commandment and this has to be done as often as possible so please bow down close our eyes look unto the lord examine yourself what was said in the bible in the word you know it recollect everything what you have heard you heard the word
you know the truth now it is your chance your time you have to examine yourself you have to qualify whether you are fit or a right person to take part in this last table if not better to one thing you can do confess before the lord or you can refrain not part in this last table father we thank you for the privilege of coming to your table thank you for the bread and the wine which you kept before us it is a privilege for all your children to take part in this table coming together in union in faith in understanding by confessing our sins before you and believing that you are set us free o father and this is the privilege for every one of us father keep us as the worthy children to take part in this table lord as you commanded us to do it as often as possible today is the day you made it for us this table was prepared for us to celebrate the victory which was won on the cross before 2000 years ago this is the day we are all reminded once again that you have died you are rose again and you are going to come and we have a great hope and this is a commandment you have given us lord to proclaim this truth to this world as we take this part in this table we thank you for your children whom you have chosen for this day bless the bread and the wine in the name of jesus christ we pray Amen. please as usual darshas will guide you just cooperate with them those who are born again accepted the lord Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior and obey to the Lord in the waters of baptism or eligible or qualified to take part in this lost table please cooperate with us
bless you choir we have um, some of our members who have been here with us before but are visiting from America from Australia from the UAE from all over the world um, um, if you are there can we see you you are visiting from America from Australia from can you be upstanding let's see you from the UAE, members of this church, you are welcome. Amen. Hallelujah. From South Africa <laughs> and Nigeria, we bless you. We are glad to see you on behalf of TBOLF. I'm sure you can still recognize your church. Amen. God is still here doing great things. And we wish you a happy new year. Shall be a great year for you. And pray that you shall return safely back home. In the name of Jesus. Please be seated. On your way out, I believe we are exiting through this way as usual. Please pick up the calendar for the year. The calendar is out. If you did not collect yours on the first, please make sure that you pick up a copy on your way out and make sure that you display it and God will bless you in the name of Jesus. Let's be on our feet as we close. Amen. It is impossible to fulfill a mandate of the spirit in the energy of the flesh. Grace to go out a fishing. Grace to go out laboring for the master this year. Let's receive it on the altar today. Lord, we receive grace. We cannot do it by our power. We cannot do it by ourselves. Release upon us the grace to go laboring for you. So that we will not miss that which you have for us this year. We receive that grace. Are you praying, asking God for grace? Grace to be on the go. Jesus, you said we should go. Release your grace upon us to be on the go for you. In partnering with you for bringing the harvest. Bringing the harvest this year. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' precious name. I pray that at the end of this year, we will have testimonies to show. I pray that none of us shall miss our portion in this mandate this year in the name of Jesus. And I pray that God will supply. God who supplies all our needs according to his riches. We supply the grace required to go and bring in the harvest in the name of Jesus. We shall not disappoint God. 
We shall not disappoint him this year. In the name of Jesus. I like to also say that it is important for us not to be casual with our Christianity this year. Amen. Too many casual Christians. Which is the reason for casualties everywhere. Too many casual Christians. You and I cannot afford to be casual with any instruction from this altar this year. Our life, our destiny is tied to it. Amen. Lord, grace not to be casual, but to be serious. So that I can make the most of my Christian adventure this year. I receive it. Are you receiving grace? Grace not to be casual with my, in my work with you this year. It's the year of harvest. I refuse to be a casual Christian. I will be serious. I will take every commandment serious and run with it like never before. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' precious name. Please don't forget, next week, Friday, we are having that couple's program and then on Saturday. So plan to be there and the Lord bless you. Go in peace. Return with testimonies in Jesus' precious name. Let's share the grace in fellowship, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen. Surely, God's goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives, and we shall dwell in the presence of the Lord ever and ever. Amen. Congratulate your neighbor. Your harvest is now. Congratulate him on your way. Don't forget to pick up your calendars. God bless you. Your harvest is now in the name of Jesus. Amen.